one. Hey guys, welcome back to the Unbothered Blondes podcast. Today you have both of us. So there's going to be myself, Randa, and we have Kate on here too. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to talk about today's topic because it is something I deal with every day in life. What about you? Same, you know, setting boundaries and implementing those boundaries. Um, it is definitely a lot of like self-work and it's continuous work. And I know we've kind of brushed the surface of this topic, but we kind of just wanted to dive a little deeper in some kind of more real world situations that we've like had questions from listeners so that Kate and I, are, you know, we're more comfortable as we, you know, do more and more podcast talking to kind of open up with some real world situations on how we've handled some of the boundary setting. And even if we haven't handled, you know, the certain situation, maybe we can put it into our perspective and give a little bit of advice on how we would handle it, even if we've never been in that situation before. Agreed. And, you know, I feel like boundary setting, like min there are many things in life that are so much easier said than done, but I feel like it's kind of like ripping a bandaid or like ripping a scab. Like the more that you do it, the less it, it hurts. needs to heal. Yeah. The less it hurts. Yeah, I agree with that. I think like flexing your no muscle. And I've said this before, like the more comfortable you get with saying no, like at first it's hard. I used to be one of those people that turned down nothing. And I think that that's a really good topic to also discuss in the boundary episode, because I literally had no boundaries when it came to work and I would wear myself thin. And, and now I think, yeah, like now I'm just, everything's no, no to everything. <laughs> and I love that you're saying no, because no is a complete sentence. Yes, it, it is. It's a complete sentence and it's an answer. And even though you don't, I don't even have to explain myself anymore. And I used to feel bad for turning down even great opportunities, but mentally I need those boundaries now more than ever in this upcoming new phase of life. And I know, you know what I'm saying, being a mom, that's, it's hard to mm -hmm. distribute myself even now more than ever, because my son needs the biggest part of me and I have less and less to give the older that he gets and the more involved that he gets with his friends and activities and all those kinds of things. So I'm excited to get started. Yes. And you know, like, obviously you can't like choose your, your family. Um, you know, friends can be a little bit harder, but work opportunities, I'm going to go ahead and, and as, be as far to say that if someone doesn't understand that no is a complete sentence or that, hey, this person is maybe overwhelmed or overloaded or it's not the right time, then that's not someone you did you need to work with probably anyways if they're not understanding, right? I agree. And I think it goes back to saying the more comfortable you get with saying no first few times, as you mentioned, Band-Aid method, it does get easier. So if you take anything from this podcast, saying no and develop boundaries will help you and your relationships, maybe not immediately, but in the long run. Agreed. And I love that you said flexing the no muscle because that is it. It is a muscle because the more you use it, the more you, you know, it grows and you get more comfortable with it. Right. Absolutely. Okay. The first question I'm going to ask you maybe like four or five, and then you can ask me four or five because we, we have so many that we won't answer them all in this, in this one Agreed. episode. Um, I've got so many in this Instagram story. So whatever you think, and I'll bounce some off of you that you didn't answer me, for me. Perfect. Okay. How do you set boundaries with family once you are married? I have to say for me personally, um, I have really good in-laws when it comes to them never asking too much of me or not trying to be like super involved in my life, which some people may think that's a bad thing, but I don't think it is like, I've never had to be like, get out of my house in-laws, you know, like I'm one of those people like come over, I'm inviting them over because they are so good at having boundaries. So for me personally, I can just give advice to say that I always recommend going through the spouse if it's their family. 100%. Yes. And we've said that before, but I truly believe that to maintain healthy relationships with in-laws or family, if it's your spouse's family, you must go through them because they're going to take it easier from the spouse. Agreed. And I feel like you and the spouse have to be on the same page. And I'll even go as far as to say that, you know, okay, you said that you're in-laws aren't like too overwhelming or overbearing. Mine aren't either. You know, Grant's an only child. We got married later. So they have been empty nesters for a very long time with only one, one son. So they're very like independent into themselves. But I also think not only do you need to go through the spouse and be on board with the spouse, but sometimes I let Grant bring up family stuff before I even like 
further the conversation. Does that make sense? I'm not saying I can't start the conversation, but it's easier if he starts it or he feels it or he's noticing it first. And then I can ask questions and let him kind of like navigate and lead that conversation and that, you know, the way that we're going to act on it because that is his family. You most definitely don't want to feel like you're attacking your spouse's family because they take it personal or I know I do, mm-hmm. you know, even when, for instance, um, I'll use an example. If Cooper says something about my family doing something, I don't always see it clearly versus if I notice it and bring it up, Agreed. you know? Agreed. And so I think that, you know, you catch more flies with honey. So if you let them bring it up first or, you know, you kind of like if they're not bringing it up or not seeing it at all, I think you can kind of lead the horse to water a little bit. Obviously, you can't make it drink. But the more that they kind of bring up that conversation and asking them questions rather than telling them what to do. So they feel like they're still in charge of how to handle their own family. And I think that's even more important for like a man because like the man's role in a marriage is like to be the leader and the provide, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that in, you don't want to make your husband feel or a spouse feel small by always dogging on them and their family. Because like you're saying, you can easily guide them towards the conversation if they're not noticing it. Because maybe it's pre-existing behavior they've dealt with their entire life. Just maybe be like, do you think that that's normal? And if they say yes, then you know your boundaries. Yes. And gosh, self-awareness is so hard that kind of until you get married, you don't, you don't really realize how other families operate so differently than your own. And so then I feel like is like a huge self-awareness thing of like, oh, it's not just this way or maybe this that has always seemed so normal to me doesn't have to be that difficult. Like it's not normal to be that difficult. I love the example of you. Everybody eats spaghetti a different way at their house. And it's almost like you think everybody eats spaghetti the way that you ate it growing up. And then you go to your friend's house and you're like, wait, this ain't spaghetti. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if that's ever happened for you. Yes. No, I totally agree with that. Okay. The next one says, okay, when you let your child stay with someone as far as like no TV time, no junk food, or, you know, they have different rules set than what you have set in your house. How do you handle that as a boundary? That's a non-negotiable for me because it's literally my human, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is my human and these are the ways that I want my human raised. And I'm going to go back to say that I've never had a problem with my in-laws, like not doing something that we ask. I was also a young mom, so I wasn't super educated in the things that I would probably do differently now. So this might be a better, even one to bounce off of you because you are in a you know, more mature phase of your life. And you're probably, for instance, prioritizing vegetables. I've mentioned before on the podcast, I never did that because I was just a kid having a kid. Right, right. And I think that all that I really have to deal with that right now is, you know, communicating that to our nanny or any babysitter or in-laws or family. And again, I feel like clear communication. And I think that you can communicate something very confidently and directly, letting them know that, there's kind of not really wiggle room for you asking for their advice without sounding like too bossy or too overbearing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Almost like how we recommended on the last question, if it's family, almost make it like, maybe we should do this. What do you think? And maybe some people won't like that answer because it's your child. But I do think that there is a really fine line you have to ride, especially when you're dealing with in-laws family versus your personal family. I'll just be like, well, how did you do it? Because this has been working for me, for instance, like uh, we're, we're not doing a nap time anymore. So please don't let them just fall asleep any time that they want to. I remember going through this phase when my son would stay with the sitter. I'd be like, we don't do a nap anymore or he'll wake up too early the next day. So we need to cut out the nap. And if they get tired, like don't let them go to sleep. And then mm-hmm. all I did was put pressure on the person that was watching my son. So that ended up getting thrown out the window as he got older. I think he was like two years old, maybe two and a half when we were like trying to cut out naps and do more full sleep at the in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I did personally deal with that I realized over time, like, wow, they're doing me a favor. They're watching my son. One night of off the schedule is not going to blow everything I've done. Right. And that's a good perspective too. And I guess, you know, like I think when I'm telling just those handful of people who are involved in, you know, Croy's life, everyone is, 
easy for me to just like communicate with matter of fact and directly. And I feel that I, I do speak very clearly and confidently. Like I'm not, even though I'm a first time mom, like I'm not just kind of, uh, I don't know. Does that make like being more confident rather than questioning as I, as I um, present it, but also kind of how you said, well, how did you do, do this? Or how did you do that? I think that there are different personalities that maybe some people need to feel like they are being included in the conversation or ask their advice. And I feel like kind of knowing the different people that you're talking to, you know, especially on like someone so close as like a parent or an in-law or, you know, the grandparent is important. And you chose to marry their child. So you had to have liked something they did, right? Absolutely. That's a really <laughs> good point. Yes. Now, here's a question for you to kind of elaborate on that I'm not at yet. What about as far as is Max starting to stay over with like friends or anything like that? Like, how do you um, handle that as far as that kind of time, like outside of the immediate circle? My kid is a stage five clinger. so like we're the house that has the friends and I've owned that that is our home and I love that because growing up I was that home like my dad let me have 15 girls the other night if I wanted to like it was a free-for-all because I'd said before my dad raised me so if I wanted to have five girls over for a slumber party because I played basketball in middle school he never told me no friends on the school night never told me no like I pretty much did what I wanted to do when I was growing up as far as all that went so I really wanted that type of home and that was like that he trusts me enough whenever I was in middle school to, you know, like, for instance, if he wanted to go on a date with a girl because he was single for some part of me growing up, I was at home with five other girls and he trusted me to have that. So I wanted to be that kind of home for my son. And so I'm raising him like that already, even if it's unintentional. Like, for instance, if he wants a friend to stay the night, it's going to be at my home. He's not leaving our home. He'll cry. He will call crying at midnight. I already know it. (laughs) (laughs) So what about when you have those friends over? Do you ask the parents like, you know, any special guidelines or any rules you want me to follow? How do you do that? Oh, Lord. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm kind of asking as a new mom, like, do you just do it the way you do? And they just allow that? Or I I guess guess if they want something different, they would say something. I feel like if they have a peanut allergy, you need to like send that information with the child. But you're you're making me realize I should maybe be a little bit more self-aware whenever I've got kids over like, okay, well, this is going to be my first time ever sending out birthday invites to Max party next week or two weeks from now. Uh I'm sitting out invites. We're doing um, the little urban air thing and I invited his T-ball team. And so this is the first time that I ever had to ask the group message like, hey, does everybody like cheese and pepperoni? Just because I know my family. I know this is like a little small example, but I've never had to like ask if people can't eat cheese or you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I've just. I'm also kind of new to that field because we're just right because you're yeah you're just now getting into out of the inner circle as he gets a little bit older with friends and stuff. But I would suggest probably asking if they had allergies because something I'm learning now is a Mac will come home and he loves to tell me stories about the other kids in his class at school. He'll be like, um, Claire can't eat peanuts or you know because they did Reese's Pieces cup for Easter and so he was telling me all these things. So I'm like, oh my god, like that's a real thing. <laughs> Some people are Absolutely. really allergic to that. Absolutely. So. Okay, the next one says, okay, what about demanding job boundaries? How do you establish um, this with your boss? Because obviously you want to be respectful and following the rules of your boss, but how do you set like a healthy boundary in that situation? I've noticed that this generation coming up that's just now getting into the workplace, they're more focused on like mental health and time off and things like that. And I have to say, when I first got a job, like saying that you were like you were anxious today, you would never get off work. You'd be fired, you know? So I do think that we're entering a phase of life where it's more common to set boundaries at work. Mm-hmm. Almost like, you know what I'm trying to say? I think that it's more common. It's more accepted to say I'm burnout or I need to take off for X, Y, Z. Like I wouldn't even take off work for a funeral in high school. You were unable to, like I worked at that wedding and bridal shop and prom shop, mm-hmm. you had to work every single Saturday. You Like there was no choice. Right. And I do definitely agree with that. Like employers are seeing that, you know, especially with through COVID now too, like some people are seeing that people working from home or remotely rather than coming into the actual office, they are maybe not only more productive, but they're more efficient or, you know, they're cutting out some overhead or some stress or travel time and all those different things. So I don't know. I, I feel like 
you think there is an issue that needs to be addressed. And I also like to think of things from like all perspectives. Like, so not only just me as the employee, but like my boss is the employer, you know what I mean? Before I present something. And I think that there's a way to present it respectfully and knowing that you are the employee rather than the boss and not going in there demanding like you're the boss, but having clear, open communication that this is a concern for you. This is becoming an issue for you and letting them know, you know, up front that you want to be, you know, the best performing employee that you can be and you might need more of this or less of this to, to help your performance right because if I'm a boss hearing that you want to be the best performer that you can and you know maybe me thinking of allowing or changing or inserting or removing this could help your performance I'm probably much more likely to allow that than you just coming in demanding telling me basically how you're going to do your job and be your own boss right I agree. And I think you are a lot more knowledgeable in this aspect because I've only ever had employees for a couple of years, whereas you've had an employee for what, over 10 years? Mm-hmm. So coming yep. from an employee standpoint, I never, and my dad works like to death. So I've never been one of those people. I never want to let anybody down. So I've got a really hard time when it came to work boundaries because I work so hard. I want people to like be impressed by me. I don't know if that's a bad aspect or in a good one, but unfortunately that's how I was in school and like taking off, not an option. Um, I would work myself to death, even from 50 at Sonic and never complain because I just think that that's so See, I'm much more like that too. As I'm getting older now, I am, I think just like little less energy and more burnout um, that I have to fight from time to time. So I have to like take more, I guess, care of myself than I used to when I was in my 20s to be able to keep going. But I also have to understand that everyone that works for me isn't me. And so I can't expect them to be just like, perform like me. Yeah. And I also think, you know, I'm thinking of some bosses of some of my friends. You know, I also think that you might need to think of those kinds of things before you accept a job or go to work for somebody. Because as much as I think I'm someone who will have that open conversation with an employee. I'll hear out maybe different concerns or issues that you might want to see, you know, potentially me look at. There are some people who are, you know, set in their 60s or 70s, that would be your boss, that you're not going to teach old dogs new tricks. So if this, if you're going to accept a job from somebody that, you know, none of the employees are able to have any open conversation, and it's just been the way it is for that boss for decades, you're probably not going to come in as a young person and change that environment or that boss's mentality. But if that matters to you, you know, maybe seeing at the beginning, you know, is that boss someone who, who cares and listens and, you know, has that open communication? Yeah. So maybe a good way before finding a job, say you're going out in the work field, you're trying to find a job, maybe try to find somebody that has kind of like values as you, Maybe mm-hmm. even closer to your age range. I find that beneficial to me, hiring people that are close to my age range because they think a little bit more like me. Keep in mind, I did just hire my grandparents, but they have a different <laughs> type of loyalty Absolutely. Know, than, than friends and, and those type of things. So that's a different field. But as far as working on the Lash business, I could not hire my grandparents because they wouldn't be able to work the technology that I have and things like that. So when I hire an employer employee for that field for me, I've got to hire someone in my age range. But if you're actually seeking out a job, maybe it would be good to find a career that lines up with your values. And you can almost interview your employer at the same time they're interviewing you. I think that's a great way to set boundaries in the beginning. I think when they ask, you know, do you have any extra questions? You know, that's a time to bring that up and kind of even you can see how their like body mannerisms are whenever you ask that thing. Do they get uncomfortable? Do they shut down? Are they open to it? Do they kind of sit back and think, oh, that's a perspective I maybe want to hear about, you know, or are they just old school? This is the way it is. Nothing else, you know, and I don't know. I guess I also think like this, too. And I know that I am on the boss side rather than just the employee side. But you are not stuck. Like, say you're in a work environment where they're not valuing your mental health or they're not allowing any boundaries and you don't feel appreciated and you you feel, I don't know, just stuck. Like, you don't have to be. You can go find another job. 
And maybe that sounds way simpler than it really is since I'm on the boss's side. But I just think that way with life. Like if you think you're stuck and won't, you know, grow or allow yourself to kind of get out of that comfort zone or allow something new into your life, then nothing new is going to improve. Yeah, don't block your blessings. And if you think you're stuck, you are. You know, you have to take the initiative to find a job that aligns something that you could do for 10 to 20 years from now. And something that I also read the other day is not everybody can be a boss because bosses need people to help drive the business. And I think that you have to realize, too, going into a business working for someone, you don't you didn't put the investments in to create the business. So, yes, you can input your opinion, but almost take into consideration the time and effort and investment that that person has put in to build the business. And I've dealt with that on my end as well with setting boundaries as a boss, just being like, I appreciate your input. And I understand what you're saying, but please understand that I have spent X amount of dollars to get here. And I can't just go and purchase this thing that you're requesting me to purchase because I've, I'm unable to do that right now. And from an employee right. standpoint, that might not make sense, but me as a boss, it makes sense because I see the money, the blood, sweat, and tears to create the business that I am not trying to just make a money pit. Or, you know, like for someone like me, I like to be very transparent with my team, with my affiliates, with anyone involved in any of my businesses. But at the same time, there are a lot of behind the scenes things that go on that can take a lot of time and and negotiating and figuring out that I don't have to present that to every single person because I'd never get anything done if all I was doing was communicating everything. So sometimes you have to kind of trust the person that is your your leader, or your supervisor or your boss. And honestly, I wouldn't want to work for somebody that I didn't respect or look, look up to or, you know, trust to kind of lead us in the right way. Yes. And I think that to bounce off what I was saying about the generation, we're getting away from being scared of our boss and looking more inspired by our boss. Like I, I remember being scared of my boss. I don't know if you've ever had those type of feelings. Like I was genuinely scared and I wanted to overwork everyone in there. And every time I knew they were coming, I would be nervous. And I don't think that that's healthy either. So finding a boss that inspires you versus you just feel intimidated by would be a good way to, to set boundaries in the beginning. I agree with that. Okay, the next question is all things dating and boundaries in the dating scenario. And I love this question. Wow. Well, I have to say I met Cooper at 18, so I don't really think I had very many boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> but um, maybe now the older I get and the more confident I become the person that I am, I do find myself developing more boundaries. And if you, if I was a young girl, say that I'm single again, dating, I would require so much more out of a man because isn't the end goal of dating someone marriage? Mm -hmm. So if I you're agree. not setting boundaries, then what are you doing? Wasting your time? Right. So I would right. require, like my advice would be require the kind of man, man that you want or woman that you want in the beginning. Yes. Like, this From is what the I beginning. want and I'm taking no less. And if you can't meet this criteria, then you're wasting my time. Or just to spin off of that, say you don't demand that from the beginning or set that own boundary for yourself. What do you think that you're going to wait till you get a ring and then you're going to present gonna them and say, oh, by the way, this is how I really want it to be. You right. know, and I don't think that's not fair. That's not like honest communication or honest expectations of the relationship. And again, the word expectations can kind of be, you know, a flip or flop. But really what you allow you encourage and so setting that from the beginning and maybe you're already in a relationship like a certain listener well waiting any longer than right now or starting to act on it now it's not going to get any better so the sooner the better for me and you know yeah like I just didn't date unless marriage was the end goal and I remember my friend Emily would told me some of the best advice when Grant and I were first starting dating she's like I would rather try to scare the shit out of him in the first couple weeks Literally. And do all I can, like literally how to lose a guy in 10 days version, because if he hangs around, then I don't have to like have that insecurity afterwards. And not like I was intentionally trying to scare him away. I know Grant's going to listen to this and laugh, but I wasn't trying to hold back. Like if I was like goofy myself or, you know, just things that I thought maybe, oh, maybe someone won't understand that about me or, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this or I should wait until I'm more comfortable to be more like this. No, I was just completely openly, confidently myself and like take it, leave it or lump it because I'd rather know before my heart gets involved. Yes. And now seeing you and Grant together, you thrive and like 
everybody that sees Grant and Rand on Instagram, you're literally the same. Like me and Cooper were cracking up at you guys, Grant twirling around on the Tulum beach. And I'm like, that's literally what they're doing. Like, this is not just for Instagram. This is, they probably twirling with or without the camera right now. <laughs> yes. And I'm telling you, he would, like, I wouldn't have, found, Grant would have still done it. Whoever Grant would have ended up with, or I would hope that he would have, in, I don't want to even talk about him with somebody else. That creeps right. me out. But um, no, that's how he is too. So I'd rather be me twirling, doing crazy stuff from the beginning. I remember one time we were, we were basically neighbors and we were going to check a house and I just had on like my, on the PJ onesie. I put on like some mud boots because it had been raining and he like grabbed my hand we grabbed Bucky on the leash and walked across the street to check something and I'm like normally no one would hold my hand in public like this but this man will so maybe he can like embrace me that whole yes, you know so you would like all ask saying, be you so boundaries you need less boundaries in the future yes yeah I feel like the more that you're just yourself up front and communicate and not only communicate what you expect, because you can tell someone all day long, I want you to pick me up for a date and drop me off. Say that that's what it is. You need to come pick me up and drop me off. Well, if you don't enforce it and actually make them follow through with it, well, it's just as much your fault for not like demanding and not, de I don't want to say demanding, but holding them accountable to that. You can't and just say it. this might be a risque boundary, but I truly believe in not sleeping with someone that you could see as potential husband on the first date or at, I mean, I personally just think if I like this guy, like I'm not sleeping with him on the first date. That, that's just from my personal standpoint and viewpoint. And again, it's a risque topic, but I think that that could be something that people mean when they ask dating with boundaries. 100%. And, you know, I know that every relationship's different. I'll be very open and honest that Grant and I took it very slow. We've talked about this before, but we met in July and we didn't have our first kiss until the end of September. And, you know, with us being older, like 27 and 30 or 27 and 29 at the time, like I was a little bit like, is this guy like even attracted to me? Does he like want to make out with me? You know, but by the time that it did happen, then open the conversation that he's like, I can see a wonderful like future for us that I want to be so respectful and take this, you know, so slow and respectful to you that it's like as women, we want that, but we feel it doesn't really exist as much anymore. But it we have to, though. but we, yeah, and you have to, you have to like ex hold them accountable to that because if you want it, if you want someone to treat you with respect and take it slow, but you're putting out right away, it, it's your fault too. I agree. And my friend Mariel, she's spoken really openly about the fact that she um, was celibate before she married her husband, Paul, and they have one mm -hmm. of the best relationships I've ever seen. Obviously, I didn't do that. And because I had a son before I got married, but I have to speak from just seeing them. I'm not suggesting that, but I am saying being able to physically witness that it seems like it's worked out great in their favor. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you're already married or you're already in a relationship and that has not been, you know, something from the beginning that you set. And we're not talking down like one thing's better than the other. No. It's just whatever you're wanting. I feel like you kind of have to communicate that and hold them accountable from the beginning and respect and encourage when they actually hold true to that, you know, rather yes. than me being like, it, does he want to make out with me? Like, Hey, he's actually being a gentleman and taking it slow. So I need to be grateful of that. I completely agree. Um, I have to say Cooper, I'd said this before. He did stalk me for two weeks before he got my phone number or the courage to speak to me. So if that counts <laughs> as, you know, um, whatever he was doing, courting me from afar. <laughs> yeah. Putting in a lot of like effort towards you. I agree. Well, so I'm going to ask you some now, and I have a great one because I think that you'll be able to help with this one a bunch. So you have one goal and your friends judge you for it. How do you react? Okay, here I have a very different perspective on this now than where I used to be. First things first is I am, I do think that they should do it they don't have to understand, but I think that they can love you without understanding and being on board for that goal. Now, I don't think they need to shame you or make fun of you for that goal because that's not a real friend. But like, for instance, and this is not me being salesy, but like the power fit community, there are so many times where women are on this journey that cheer and support each other on within their small groups because they don't now expect that of their friends immediate friends or family because say for instance it doesn't have to be fitness but say you're wanting to get fit well that's your decision not your friend's decision so while your friend wants to support and you know cheer you on 
doesn't mean she's going to understand everything and walk that journey with you. And quite frankly, I don't think that you should put that on that friend. So I think finding a support system or community or friend or mentor or even just a podcast to listen to about whatever that said goal is rather than expecting everything support wise from your friends and your family. Again, I don't think that they should like not encourage you or tear you down or make fun of you about it. But for instance, if you open a business, you don't need to expect that your friends and your family are going to be your top customers. That is putting too much expectations on them in my mind. I agree. And I saw this the other day on Facebook because it reminded me of this question. People not showing up for you on your birthday, special events or moments in your life, achievement, achievements or just times when you need them the most, show them how they truly feel about you. That's when I pay attention the most. Absolutely. You know, who was it? Someone was asking me yesterday, like, hasn't it hurt as you've outgrown some friends or, you know, Randy, I can tell you've had a lot of growth and you've set more boundaries and there's maybe less time with this person in your life who used to have more. And I'm like, it, it does suck. And it's like a growing evolution and, and growing pain, really. But at the same time, I would rather that person expose themselves to me and me actually pay attention to it, like you're saying. Like if someone is going to make fun of me about my new business or my new sales job or me trying to get fit and in the way that they are just waiting for me to fail, that's not a friend. And I need to be aware of that. And I need to put that person where they deserve to be as an acquaintance or as a friend from afar. And if you notice that every time that you bring up something to a friend that you love or that you want to be encouraged by and they make you feel bad about it, you have to learn a boundary for you mentally could be to stop mentioning things to them yes. that trigger you in a negative reaction. Yes. There's a lot of things that I don't talk about with all of my OG friends that I've had for 10, 15, 20 years because, you know, we are different. Maybe not everyone wants to do fitness or be a podcaster or a social media content creator. And that's where I like my friendship with you is we, we relate to each other on a lot of those things. And then I'm not holding it against my other friends or, you know, thinking they're not supporting me because they're not in the same industry or don't understand the same work things as me because I don't understand their work scenarios either. Exactly. I think to take away from the friend boundary would be having different friends that, you know, fit into everybody doesn't have to all love the same thing to be friends. Because like you said, I have you who maybe relates way more to the phase that life that I'm in now versus my high school friends who relate more to the phase that I was in then doesn't mean they can't grow with me, but it also doesn't mean that I have to include them in every single thing that I do now, because maybe they don't get it. They don't want to get it. And, and not making me feel bad about it. It just helps having other friends as I grow. I totally agree. And again, just not expecting too much of your friends, because ultimately, if you're doubting yourself, if you're not like feeling confident and worthy within yourself, it's not fair to put all those expectations on another human being to make you feel those things. They have to come within yourself. You know, they do. All right. I've got another good one. This one's a little dicey. Okay. Married women in your husband's DMs. How do you go about setting a boundary for this? Hmm. I've never dealt with that. I always tell Grant, I'm like, honey, I, Grant and I are going to stay married forever. I confidently know that he's my soulmate. He's the one for me. I'm the one for him. Right. But I always like, will kind of joke and say, I am setting you up to where if anything ever happened, you got all this line of all these women who have been following ready along. to jump, <laughs> ready to jump. And he's like, no, they're so much more loyal to you that they wouldn't do that. And I'm like, I don't know. So I haven't dealt with that situation or if I have, he hasn't, you know, we're, we're very open and honest in our marriage. So I don't think because again, Grant, he's so loyal and loving, but he's not like the smooth talker that picks up the girl from the beginning. Does that make sense? Like, remember yep. he told me he knew, he knew where I lived the first time he met me, like stage five clinger. <laughs> yep, yep. So I don't know. I would say, let me defer this one to you from a personal experience, because I feel like with Coop being a professional athlete and kind of in the limelight with his job, he probably has more of that. And then I can kind of add to your perspective. He will, Cooper will get messages from time to time and he'll show to me like, look at this, Mary Jane's dying to take me out when I come to PBR. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just show me an example of a message that he got from someone. And I think the best way to go about it is obviously 
hoping that your husband is loyal and making sure you chose the right partner. And even if you didn't see this at one point, now they're messaging people back. It just kind of depends on what the route the husband is taking, you know, but I do think that it's inevitable. I can't stop people from sending him a message. The only thing that I can do is, you know, just have enough confidence in my husband and my relationship to know that that's never a worry in my life. So I think you have to kind of revert back to why am I worried about this? Do I need to address things in my relationship or, you know, internally feeling insecure and things like that? Like, I don't know, because I I generally think that it could be something going on or maybe in your relationship that you're feeling um, like you need to control the situation with these messages that you literally can't control. So I think that, and that he didn't encourage or he didn't start, you know, it's really to him. Absolutely. I think that's a wonderful perspective because, um, you know, I love the way that y'all can kind of laugh about it. Cause I would think that's what Grant and I would do too. I get a few of them and I'll show Grant and he will just roll his eyes. And I'm like, what does this person think that I'm going to say? Yeah. Like just pick me up at eight. You're like the Prince charming I've been waiting for my whole life. Even though I'm posting about my husband and my baby every single day on the internet. Like, do you even know me? Do you follow me? Are you, you just like copying and pasting this message to any female on the internet? Like I'm very confused. <laughs> how this actually goes if I do bite on this. And so we kind of laugh about that. And I agree, like we don't hold anything back. You know, we know each other's passcodes on our phones. We really only have the passcodes on. So in case like Croy picks up the phone, he can't like do things while, you know, playing on it without knowing or different things like that. You know, her phone gets lost. Um, But at any point in time, Grant and I can hand each other our phones or say, I don't have mine on me. I'm like, hey, can you take a picture? Can you give me your phone so I can send it? We have never been weirded out about having each other's phones or hiding anything from each other. And I really think that, I mean, marriage, you have to be so open and honest with your partner, sometimes even more than you want to be with yourself. You know, like, I don't know, I guess just in marriage, there are times that even I don't want to admit how I'm feeling because it's not how I want to feel, but it's a true feeling. And to be so like vulnerable and honest and real in my relationship with Grant, I have to say, I don't want to say this. I don't want to feel this way, but I am, you know, it doesn't make me a bad person, but it's what I'm feeling. And so I, I don't know. I feel like when you kind of just don't have anything to hide, then you laugh kind of laugh about it. Like you said, like Mary Jane wants to take me to, to, to dinner, dinner on the next week. Well, yeah. Well, can I bring there? Yeah. Can I bring my wife and my baby too? Yeah. <laughs> I also think too, and that's a great point. Um, I tell Cooper on the more jokingly manner, I'm like, Cooper, if you don't get it together, I've got a foreign man in my DMS right now. That's promising me a castle <laughs> overseas. <laughs> and I will flee this coop if you don't get it together. <laughs> You know, obviously no intentions, but I just got to keep him in check. I got to be like, look. So I think also too, if you feel like it's going to make you feel better, they do have that Instagram option where you can only accept DMs from people that you follow. Yes, they do have that. The reason because you don't know what creeps are out there. Yeah, you don't. But the reason that we don't have like Cooper doesn't have that on is he actually gets a lot of sponsorship opportunities through direct messenger. So I would never ask that of him. I've never had an issue of any, you know, I've, I've literally watched my husband sign someone's breast in front of me and <laughs> no, literally. And he was like, how, how do you feel about that? I'm like, I'm still kind of processing what just happened, but he's, he was so shy and so uncomfortable in the moment. Like he was too shy even to say no. Like he was, he wrote his name in negative three points. Like, like I never seen it's like he didn't even want to think that. what was asked of him that he didn't even want re- to respond to yes or no. He just wanted to have it done. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like her little, like it was on her chest, you know? <laughs> right. but it was definitely right. weird for me, like standing behind him, like what is going on? But so I've got to be on both sides of the spectrum here. Like I have a husband that people, um, a lot of people I find are attracted to Cooper because he's so quiet and kind of mysterious. He definitely has like, you don't know what he's thinking. I definitely think that like, I still don't know what the hell is going on in his brain. I can get a few <laughs> words out of him every now and again, but so with me, I'm just like an open book and it is what it is. But him, he has like a lot of mystery to him. And so I get that a lot from people. They're like, take this, take this with the way you want to perceive it. They'll tell me basically, like, I don't mean it in any harm, but your husband is so hot. Like, I'm so obsessed with the fact that he's the thrill seeker. And it might just be that he's a cowboy. And that's kind of like the thing right now, you know, this whole Western mm-hmm. um, influence on the world. But they are like all about it. And I just kind of take it as a compliment. So 
Yeah. See, I would like to take his compliment too. Grant does get hit on occasionally, like in person, but he's very unaware of it. That by the time it's over, said and done, and we're home, I like bring it up to him to, and not mad at him clearly because he didn't do it and he didn't. And then he tries to get a little like pep in his step, like, oh yeah, she was kind of, and I'm like, it doesn't count because you, you didn't even know. <laughs> it doesn't even count now. That's all I know. Yeah, you can't act about. cocky about it, honey, because you, told you me this story. So I think that it comes down to different personalities too, you know, and I know that you and I are both, you know, years into our marriage. And I do think we're both very comfortable and confident in our marriage, not saying everything's perfect. Y'all know me and my husband, we got our asses in therapy every week. I mean, there is stuff to work out and we keep, you know, safe rather than exposing to our families or people who could hold it against us. But what I'm saying is if there's an issue, communicate that if you're feeling jealous and you don't want to, and you don't like that they're getting those messages, I think rather than like coming at them and thinking it's their fault, just expose your vulnerability and say, I, I don't like another woman messaging you. Like you're mine. And I yeah. think there's a way you can do it without like chewing his ass and making him think it's his fault or he did something wrong. I agree. And I have one last question for you. That could be, it could be a more, um, it's not going to, go to every single woman that listens in the podcast because not every single woman maybe does a lot on Instagram and things like that. But I do think that there's a lot of people on the podcast that listen to the podcast that this could be beneficial for. How do you deal with clout chasing friends? Oh, I don't, you know, I don't personally think I have clout chasing quote unquote friends. Now I do think I had two friends that used to be my friends that are no longer my friends that at the time I didn't realize not necessarily they were chasing me for clout, but for um, what I could do for them, who I could introduce them to the things I could pay for um, the things well, I clout could give and it's them. different clout means money, wealth, or power. So maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. I don't think I realized it at the time. So I think number one, it's, it's hard to even um, realize that about yourself. Cause by the time that's happening, you know, the, maybe the first few you won't realize. And then once you kind of get burned on it, you're more aware of it. Right. Right. Um, I don't know, I guess kind of what you were saying with paying attention to things of like, who's there in the times of my pain or who's there in my times of struggle or who's there on these important days to me or who reaches out personally to check in on me on certain situations. Um, you know, I feel like, you kind of just know the people that want to be seen with you and want to be broadcasted with you versus want to be there with you in the quiet silence when no one knows. I agree. I, I think that's a great, great analogy. Who wants to be seen with you and who wants to see you? Yes. Yes. So I think that would wrap that up pretty good. I think you can kind of tell. I know my clout meter, meter whatever you want to call it, it, it goes off. I know. I feel like you're you're very good at being aware of that. But you also were married to a professional athlete from a young age. So I feel like you kind of had to be more than I was. But I have to say, too, some of the people that I thought were only wanting to be my friends, and maybe that was their uh, driving force to become my friend in the beginning, literally have become some of my really good friends. Because I think about it this way. I think it's great to hang out with other people that have influence because you can learn something. So I don't think you have to necessarily look at it as a negative but do know, have a boundary and realize if it's getting overboard. Like, do you only, or do not ask me why I didn't tag you. Right. Or even, you know, I'm not saying that everyone, you know, cause we are still in our late twenties, early thirties. So that is still young in the grand overall perspective of life. And so some people reach success at different ages and different times. So you might reach success financially more, sooner than some of your other friends and then they might reach it bigger later and so forth. So I don't even think it's necessarily that someone has to always pay for everything they come to with us. Like normally if we invite you, we will want to pay for it anyways. Or if not, then it's just kind of like you take the tab here, we take the tab next. Like we're not really keeping tallies, but also just someone who says thank you. Like maybe it's someone who can't afford to, you know, ever buy our dinner and we always buy theirs. But if they just say something that's like they're actually appreciative of that, go that goes so far rather than just expecting it or making you think that they're with you just for clout or ease or because you can pay for something. Yeah, I think you have to read the room. Are they asking to go to dinner with you and they know that you're going to pick it up? You know, I mean, 
just read the room, even if it's not for clout influence on Instagram, like you're saying, maybe it's for monetary reasons or they just want to get a free meal. Like one, okay, you know, but are you inviting me to dinner, expecting me to pay? Like read the room. I agree with that. Last question because it should be short. How do you handle someone trying to give you their input on your new home building or home renovation process? Kind of random, but we're both going through that. Yeah, um, I get that a lot. And Okay, so I mean this in the most gracious way. It kind of aggravates me. Yeah. I want to be like, why did you say that after you're telling me I should have done something that I already did? Yeah. See, I think of things before I deliver them. I'm like, is this going to add value to the relationship, to the conversation? Is this going to help? Or is this just going, going to make someone think that I'm overstepping my boundaries? Or is that even my place? Do they even care? Are they? they I think if someone asks you, like if someone's asking you your opinion on something as big as like their home decisions, yes. But I don't think you need to just give your unsolicited advice about, you know, clearly th important things like parenting and relationships and, you know, even your home. I mean, a home is a big thing. So I think know that just because you see this and you would want to do this doesn't mean that person's style is the same. And I don't know. Wait until you're kind of asked about it. If people tell me things, I just kind of take it in stride. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Or, oh, I'll give that, you know, that some looking at See, yeah, and I pay it no attention. I just shut the conversation down politely. I don't chew at them. I don't like, I don't even come back and rebuttal and say why I don't want to do what they're suggesting or why I chose what I suggested. Because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's what I want. I don't have to validate this to anybody. You're absolutely right. And I am learning that with this process of the reno. You know, like I'll post pictures of the before of the home and somebody like, we should do this, we should do that. And the first it used to kind of aggravate me, not because, okay, not that it aggravates me, but you hear it so many times a day, the things that you're doing wrong, that it eventually gets a little bit, it gets a little bit aggravating. You know, and I think yeah. I'm in a different phase of my life where I'm like, well, I like it this way. And now you're making me doubt my decision, you know? Yes. But also sometimes there are times that I like to come to like a community or a group of friends or online and say, okay, I'm debating between these last two. What do y'all think? You know? And I think that it's still okay to openly ask questions and get some feedback, but just because everyone votes 99 to one doesn't mean you might not just choose the one. Cause that's initially what you wanted anyways, you know? So I think I just kind of like uh, from experience right now with this, I'm painting my cabinets black. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to deter me from painting my cabinets black. I'm like, do you follow me? <laughs> I love the color black. Yeah. And it's like, you know what you want. And what if it's someone who is building or renoing that it's their first one or they are not as like in tune with their style or in their vibe as you are. And then you have all these people throwing their opinions. It can just like mess with that person's mind and make them doubt what they really want. And then they think they need to please everybody else or listen or what they want, you know, no one else to see in their vision. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's certain people you should listen to feedback on, like my designers, my interior designers. I listen to what they have to say. I still don't choose everything that they choose, you know, because I'm still going to go with my gut on some things and say, yeah, yeah you're professionals, you're but you're not me. Yeah, I completely okay. agree. I think that's a great, good, good perspective. I know we got to wrap it up because we're at our time frame. So do you want to tell them um, anything big to wrap this up? So um, as you guys know, I've never been like, on every single podcast if there's a podcast randa is on it and yes we've gotten flack for that and so if you were one of those people that were upset about that this is really going to upset you basically i have something really really big happening in my life right now i've alluded to it a couple times and i'm going to be less available with these upcoming months so instead of me being on every single podcast like i so want to be i'm going to be scaling back Four reasons that I will be sharing very, very soon. So for now, I just need you guys to be gracious and know that I'm going to be on the podcast at least once a month. And Randa is going to do her best to get podcasts out whenever she damn well pleases. You know, it might be on her own <laughs> schedule. So basically, yeah, you know. It. We've been doing them once a week and, you know, from the beginning, we really wanted to build up to have, you know, lots of episodes and lots of, you know, just getting to know us set so that someone started listening, they could kind of get our vibe. But I was so 
honestly grateful that Kate feels so comfortable in our friendship and in our, I guess you would say partnership, even to let me know that she's got a lot going on. I mean, she's getting ready to uproot and move her home, one of her businesses, shipping warehouse, all of those things. I just went through my own move. I'm still in a construction zone. So for her to say, hey, I need to focus on myself and my own projects and something big I'm working on and just maybe show up for the podcast once a month for the next coming months. I love that she could be so open with me and I'm here to support it and you know, respect her and all of those things. And that's when we really want to talk about boundaries because it comes with Kate saying that she doesn't even has to justify and she's not even telling you some of the reasons why. And she doesn't even have to tell me all the reasons why. But when you find those right people in your life, they just know that if you're asking or requesting something, they need to support you for the right reasons. And so, you know, I may still get them out weekly. I may skip a week here or there. I may go to twice a month while Kate is going to once a month. So I don't really know what this looks like for us right now. We are still going to stay active. Unbothered Blonde is going nowhere. I love it. I just bought a neon sign that says Unbothered Blonde. So it's here to stay, but Kate is going to scale back a little bit and I may not hold myself accountable to every week. Like if something is going on crazy in my life that week, I don't need the extra stress of, oh my God, I didn't get a podcast out this week. And I told everyone I'm going to have something out weekly. I think that this is going to be a great transition. It's actually no change, to be honest. Like, I'm not on every podcast already. I've already not been on every podcast. I want you to do all the things that you want to do. And sometimes having three people on a podcast, it's too much, you know, and it makes more sense and you get more of the story from the person that you're interviewing when it's just a one-on-one versus Mm -hmm. two-on-one. I agree. And I still believe that. Yeah, and I still think it's going to be a lot of the way it is, just maybe less pressure on us to have to constantly crank out this weekly content that we had promised from the beginning and that we stuck with for eight or nine months. You know, we've stuck with that for a long time. And again, we are not at a place that we're trying to monetize on this um, podcast. I'm not saying that we won't in the future, but, you know, since it's not a job for us, it's not something that we have to stick to a set schedule. And again, that may change in the future, but for right now, it's just open, honest conversation with Kate and I, when Kate shows up, when I show up and when we have special guests. I agree. I can't wait because I think that people are going to be getting less of me, but maybe one day more of me and I'll leave it at that. And I can't wait. I totally agree. You know, self-care really is most important. And so there's a reason why we wanted to have boundary talk was to set this boundary that Kate has really set for herself and maybe even me taking the pressure of having to get something out every single week to y'all off of me because again, Unbothered Blondes is going nowhere. We have loved this journey and it's going to continue and we cannot say thank you enough for the support. We love when you screenshot us, share us to your Instagram stories, tag us. We love hearing very honest, constructive criticism in the review so that we can get better. And I am in the process of, I just got my sectional couch, a chair, and the Unbothered Blonde sign in for the podcast room. I'm waiting on a rug to help absorb some of the sound quality. So, you know, we are learning and improving as we go. And I think maybe by the end of summer, we'll be kind of back on a schedule. Kate will be moved into her new home. You know, her rain lashes, warehouses, and shipping facility is moving. So we're still here, basically where we have been, just scaling back a little bit. And by the time that we're ready to hit this thing full force again and say, if we want to monetize on it or want to grow it anymore, then we've got some experience behind our belt. So we just thought that this went hand in hand with the boundary talk that it's okay to say, I need to take a step back or I need to do a little less, you know, and I think that is wonderful for both Kate and I to be able to do. And I hope that encourages you to do that some more in your own life because boundaries are hard. They are. But like Kate said, get used to flexing that no muscle. No is a um, complete sentence. You can be direct and confident with still being very respectful and loving in your delivery and I promise it starts to hurt a little less the more that you do it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.